Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, friend, and welcome to episode 68 of the Still Space Podcast, When Anxiety Cripples Your Ability to Do What Matters to You. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or threat, something with an uncertain outcome. And the symptoms you experience could include edginess, restlessness, tiring easily, impaired concentration, irritability, increased muscle aches, and difficulty sleeping. And the lack of structure that we have in our lives can contribute to anxiety. A recent American Psychological Association poll found that 68% of adults reported that they worry about health and safety. And this is really important because I think when it comes to safety, many of us interpret our job security as safety. 67% of the people reported worrying about finances, which is also often tied to job security. 56% worry about politics and 48% about interpersonal relationships. And that could be with your partner, with your children, with your direct reports, with your boss, with the organization in general. And to hack our brains and break this anxiety cycle, this cycle of worry that persists over and over, we must be aware of number one, when we are getting anxious, number two, what typically results from that anxiety, and number three, interrupt that pattern with practices that ground us. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to do that how to deal with that persistent worry so that it doesn't hamstring your career, your relationships, or your life. I think every single one of us struggles with anxiety. I know every client I have ever had has shown signs of anxiety because this is the human condition. When we don't feel safe, when we're unsettled, we worry about it. And the word worry comes from the word strangle. I think that's really appropriate because don't you sometimes feel in the worst cases of anxiety that your lifeline is being cut off, that you can't breathe, that it's just not going to get any better. Worry is the cognitive part of anxiety. Anxiety is simply too much time in the what ifs. What if this were to happen? Well, what if this doesn't happen? 
well, what if that happens? Or I hear this a lot from my clients, and if you hear people saying this, you'll know that's a trigger for anxiety. The problem is, well, the problem is you're trying to help somebody do something and they always first and foremost see what the problem is. We want to learn to relate to that intrusive thought of what if. Because when it happens, we're already moving ourselves into fight or flight, which is not a place to execute at your best. This is where you're just surviving. What if we could invite in, like a guest, usher in, like a fresh breeze, usher in that intrusive thought of what if? Because remember when I listed the three things a few minutes ago, I said we have to first see anxiety. So number one, let's see it and let's be kind and gentle to it. Invite it in with curiosity. What are you trying to teach me here? What are you making me afraid of? How is it showing up in my behavior? I want to get to know you better because I know you're just part of me trying to keep me safe. And I want to assure you that I've got this so you can stop dancing in front of my face and sabotaging my desires, my hard work my goals, my plans, that inviting in that intrusive thought is the first step to your freedom. Anxiety is a really difficult thing. It runs in families. It's You're four times likelier to have it if it runs in your family because we learn how to deal with anxiety from our family of origin. We watch others deal with anxiety. So For instance, in my family, my mother was an extremely anxious person. She still is. She is very nervous, and it doesn't necessarily come across that way, but the way she behaves is very um, disruptive and sometimes divisive, and I've come over time to understand her insecurities and, and where that comes from. So It's the same when you're managing or dealing with other people. If you're seeing people or leading people who are disruptive and anxious, it's a time for you to help get curious about what really are they worried about. In my mom's case, you know, she was always worried about being alone because she had a very horrendous experience when her father died of being kept in the closet of a hospital because at that time the children were not allowed in hospitals and she was only eight years old. And she had to witness this whole thing from inside a closet and it was very disruptive for her and devastating. So that is one lesson that I had in anxiety. Another lesson that I had in how to deal with anxiety was from my father who was a very calming soul. He's since passed away and he would go into our living room and put on jazz records and listen to Johnny Mathis. And in modern day, he listened to Diane Krall. He used jazz as a calming technique. And, you know, I see in myself where the two sides of me lie, right? I have my mom who is very anxious and sometimes I can be anxious. I I get very anxious when I have to fly internationally and I can't sleep on the plane. And I'm going to show you how to unravel that in a minute. 
And then I also, on the other hand, am very mindfully based. I learned that from my father. I know how to stay in the moment. I know how to reach for my tool belt of calming strategies and what things work for me because I watched what worked for him. So you might want to reflect on, well, how did I learn to deal with anxiety? Because knowing that can help you undo it because you can at least recognize it. People with anxiety experience doubt and treat it like danger. Let me say that again. People with anxiety experience doubt and treat it like danger. Doubt is not danger. Doubt is not helpful. It is not fulfilling, but it is not dangerous. And that's the first thing we want to interrupt is that habit loop of oh, I have doubt, now I'm in danger, because that will trip you into fight or flight where you can't reason well. Different part of your brain takes over, and you know yourself you're not at your best. So how do we stop the cycle of doubting ourselves or doubting something or dealing with uncertainty and seeing that as dangerous? Well, first, we have to acknowledge it. Because we don't want to remove the doubt or uncertainty because that's impossible. That's why people are never satisfied and happy because they're constantly trying, well, how am I going to get rid of this doubt? How am I going to stop worrying that I'm not going to sleep on a plane and I'm lying there on the plane tossing and turning, right? How can I get rid of that? Well, doubt happens. Uncertainty is a fact of life. That's impossible to eradicate it. And you don't want to fall into the trap of doing things as a result of doubt that don't make sense. Repeating safety behaviors, obsessive actions, obsessive thoughts. Uh, These things don't work, but yet we do them because it's all we know to do. It's the only thing we have in our tool belt. And then you convince yourself that worry prohibits that bad outcome, which it does not. And then sometimes the people who worry, if they're not worrying, they worry why they're not worrying, or they worry what they're worrying about. You know, that this cycle, this habit, we're going to show you how to work on breaking that habit. It doesn't help to expect the worst. We know that intellectually. Yet people who worry think that, well, at least I care enough to worry, which is just an excuse and is not helpful. Then they oppose and resist, which makes it worse. That, oh, I'm just going to not worry, which (laughs) makes you worry. If I were to say, don't think about the word giraffe, you'd be sitting there thinking about the word giraffe. You want to bring this worry in close, like you would a small child or a puppy. Bring it into a soft landing by cultivating a relationship with these thoughts, accepting and playing with them, using humor and moving on. So for instance, when I talk about how I have a hard time sleeping on an international flight, that being said, understand that if I am a passenger in a car, I could fall asleep in a nanosecond. So falling asleep is not the issue. What the issue is, is falling asleep on an international flight. So one way that I use to interrupt this, and you can use whatever works for you, is just immediately noticing it. Oh, 
Because if not, I'm going down the hole of, oh, I can't sleep. I'm not going to be able to be awake when I get there. I'm going to feel terrible when I get there. All the people are going to be having fun that we're with, and I'm not going to feel well, which is going to make me feel judged and, and not welcomed and alone. And all this is nonsense, of course, but this is what we do in our heads, right? What worry do you have that makes a whole lot of sense, right? We, we go down these roads, these rabbit holes. So when I notice that not only am I not sleeping, but I'm worrying about not sleeping on this flight, I do a, a, a hard pattern interrupt and say, oh, gosh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that, that, oh, yeah, or oh, um, that's the pattern interrupt. That's when you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm on notice. I'm trapped in this perspective that doesn't help me. And I know it. Okay, so it's a, oh, here I am doing the chicken little routine or whatever works for you. Think about a character that represents you when you're worrying. Have fun with it or a color or a smell or something that you can laugh with, right? Oh, this is me doing my chicken little routine about the world is not going to be great when I get off this plane. So yeah, I see that. So that little bit of pattern interrupt gives me then the opportunity to say to myself, oh, Mary Lee, hand to heart, be gentle with yourself here. You're going to fall asleep. Think calm thoughts. Breathe in the sequences that you know lower your heart rate. And for those of you who don't know that, breathing sequences that lower your heart rate are into the count of four, hold for the count of seven, breathe out for the count of eight. Another one is breathe in for the count of five, hold for the count of five, breathe out for the count of five, count calm two, three, four, five, and then breathe back in. So these are two breathing practices that I teach my clients that you can use just to calm your heart rate down a little bit so that you can be self-nurturing, not perseverating on worry in that moment. Now, what isn't productive is when you notice that you're worrying and you try really hard to stop worrying and then you worry more. This is a bad habit. That's a habit loop that you want to get away from. Let go of the resistance of worrying. Oh, yeah, this is just me doing my worry routine. This is just me being chicken little. This is just me doing that thing that I do when I'm not sure of myself. Oh, yeah, I do that sometimes with acceptance and play with the content of your worry. In my case, I might say, oh yeah, I'm worried that I might just get to this place and be so falling down sleepy that people are going to think that I'm a drunken fool. I mean, you know, laugh at yourself. This is just me being worrisome. And then be realistic with yourself. You know, if I get to the location and I have a lot of jet lag, and it might take me a couple days to recover, I'll just be gentle with myself. If the other people in the group want to go on, we travel with another couple often in Europe who live in Europe. My husband's German and has uh, German friends, and we travel with them, and they only have a couple-hour flight, and we'll have a 14-hour or however long flight to get there. And if I need a, a day to catch up, I'll just catch up. You know, my husband travels regularly for work, so he's much better at this than I am. And I know he's not going to judge me. I'm judging myself and it's not necessary. So I'm able to unravel that when I bring it in close like I would a child or a puppy. And then I have fun with it. 
It breaks down the cycle of the worry. There's something I think we need to accept about anxiety is that we're not going to cure it. Most of us experience some form of anxiety all the time. We're looking for recovery rather than a cure. We are looking to inhibit the anxiety rather than to fix this disease and leave it behind. We just want to practice because it's human nature to sometimes worry about things and get anxious, but we don't want to be stuck in anxiety and worrying. Now, there's also um, a habit that some people use called postponing, and this is where you slow down and you see that you keep thinking about this a lot and you set an appointment. Okay, I don't have time to worry about this right now, but I will worry about this as soon as this meeting is over. And so you're mentally saying to yourself, I'm going to compartmentalize this over here and deal with it later. Or, And usually later, you're not really willing or ready to take on that anxiety again and you let it go. Don't get trapped in the relief that some people feel from worrying. Well, at least I'm dealing with it. That is not dealing with it. That is avoiding it. It is turning away from it. It's something that I talk about often on this podcast, how we are turning away from something and it's chasing us down like a nipping chihuahua. That's not the answer. It's an excuse. We really want to turn towards the worry and get to know it and play with it a lot more. Noting is huge here. The first thing to do is to note the anxiety, to note the worry, to notice the habit. Noticing the anxiety thought, honoring it. Go into your body and note where it is settling. For me, I know that if I'm anxious about not sleeping on a plane, it's settling in my head. It's like junk rattling around in a drawer. It makes a lot of noise. I know the smell of it. It smells stale. The color of it is gray and shiny. I get to know it really well because we can release that which we own. But if we don't know what's going on, we can't let it go. And I breathe in very deeply. And I breathe out the anxiety. I breathe in. I am whole breathing out. I let go of anything whose time has passed. This skill is very important to execute when you're in a meeting or a conversation. When you get good at it, you can do it really quickly before you say or think or do something that doesn't serve you. So somebody is reacting negatively towards you or they're saying something that you think won't work and you don't really want to say, oh, that's a terrible idea. You give yourself some pause moments here as your mind might go off on a tangent and say, well, if you do that, then this won't work and then you'll be judged. And then you calm yourself with a very deep breath. And I'm going to teach you in a moment how to do the pause cafe and just buy yourself some time by noting, yep, this is giving me some anxiety right now. Not, oh, rats, this is giving me anxiety. I wish this weren't happening. Why does this always happen to me? That's not mindful. That's judgment on self. Just an acceptance of breathing in. Oh yeah, there it is. I notice this is bringing me some anxiety right now. There's that Tasmanian devil or whatever you want to call it. There it is showing up again. Yep, I notice it. 
Let me take a moment here to explain where anxiety has come from in our evolution and that anxiety can be very helpful. Centuries ago, anxiety helped us pervade as a species, right? We don't have mastodons walking around today and we're not worried about being ousted by our tribe and being killed by another tribe. But corporate America can be a little dictatorial and make us feel that way sometimes. So I understand that at work you might feel threatened or worry that you might lose your job or, you know, so those are fears and that's okay, right? You might fear that there's a a mastodon centuries ago in a, a, a certain area that might come over into your area or that another tribe might stage an attack against your tribe. But Fear is healthy. Understanding what to be afraid of is healthy. You don't want to step out into the street in front of a truck or a bus. If you see one coming, you're going to get back up on the curb. That's where fear is helpful. Anxiety is an unease about the future. Where fear is adaptive, we can adapt to fear. Anxiety is not adaptive. It's and unease about something that you can't change. And you're worried about this thing that you can't change in a way that you perseverate on it over and over and over again. That's a difference. Fear is adaptive. Fear you can adapt to. Anxiety is not adaptive and doesn't serve you. Planning for the future is helpful. Being anxious about the parts of the future that you can't control are not helpful. In my role as a CEO of a hospital foundation, I often see people very fearful about a health outcome or about death, which is a certainty that we're all going to die at some point. And if you fear how you're going to die and what it's going to be like and perseverate on that over and over again, that's a really unfulfilling life. A You bring that in a little bit closer and get pet it like a dog, a little puppy, hug it like a child and say, I know that seems a little scary, but it's part of life. And if you're spiritual and you believe in God, you can lean on your faith. If you have mindful practices that you rely on, you lean on those. But accepting things on life's terms will help you delineate the difference between fear, which is adaptive, anxiety, which is not adaptive, planning for the future, which is helpful, and fear of planning for the future, which is unhelpful. And this is how people get stuck. They don't make plans for the future. They don't understand how things that they can do right now can be helpful in that plan. And, and it doesn't serve them. Understand that anxiety is a habit. It is driven like a habit to change. Any habit can be perpetuated by three things. A trigger, a behavior, and a result. So something triggers you to whatever negative behavior that you have. Something triggers that. The problem is not the trigger. That's the cue. That's where you want to say to yourself, oh, thank you for that trigger. Thank you for that cue. Because I can see where my habit might take me down the rabbit hole. But no, I'm going to interrupt that with a little bit of a breath of fresh air and say, oh yeah, that's just me doing that thing I used to do. 
And then the behavior that follows gives you a result. So worry is a cue. It's a trigger for anxiety. Worry is the cognitive action that follows anxiety. Uncertainty drives anxiety. Think about the pandemic, how much anxiety there was back then because there was so much uncertainty. I made a conscious choice with my husband during the entire pandemic, and both of us are news junkies. I used to be a newspaper reporter. We read a lot of news, a lot of platforms for news, online newspapers, etc. During the pandemic, we chose not to watch the evening news ever. For almost two years, we did not watch the evening news because if you want to see what anxiety looks like, look at the news during the pandemic. It was one thing to keep you hooked after another, after another, after another. Social media also infuses anxiety because it's built on the addictive purpose comparing, making you feel deficient if you don't have this hair product or this look, and it isolates you. Social media, understand in no uncertain terms, is built to addict you to it. As is evidenced, if you don't believe this, watch the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, where the originators of Facebook, Instagram, these social media platforms come on and tell you they've now since left uh, these mega giants and will tell you that they don't allow their own children to have Instagram and Facebook accounts until they're older than 13 because of the addictive nature and how much this has contributed to depression in this country because of the comparing nature that it presents. You get anxious and you go to social media, which addicts you to comparing as opposed to the real remedy, the real practice for anxiety, which is human connection. So if you're anxious, understand you're making the world about you. When I'm lying there on a plane trying to sleep and I can't sleep, it's all about me. So I begin to meditate on, you know, Somewhere in this world, there is someone else sleeping, trying to sleep on an airplane that can't sleep. Let me just metaphorically reach out and grab their hand and say, I'm here, we're in this together, and we're going to calm down together. Human connection dissolves anxiety because you've isolated yourself, victimized yourself, and made the world about you. So now... You're reaching out and you're being purposeful. You're helpful. And if you're not sure of how your habit loops are tripping you up, you can map these out. It can be very helpful. What is the trigger? What is the behavior? And what is the result? I know for me, a trigger is upcoming travel. I start worrying about it weeks before I even go. I'm even worried about next year I'll be going to Europe again. How am I going to deal with sleeping on the plane? The behavior is that I worry when I get there and then, you know, and I'm not someone who takes medication, so it's not like I'm going to uh, take a narcotic or anything like that. That's, that's not my way out. Um, and then when I try and fall asleep, what's the behavior? I get a little anxious. I notice the color of it. I notice the smell that that worry has. I notice how it's sitting in my body and the result is that I can't sleep. 
And I notice where it's sitting in my body. I understand that. And that's the result. So now I know what practice I want to apply to that. But I've mapped out the habit loop. What triggers it? Any upcoming travel? The behavior? I toss and turn. I'm not settled. And the result is I can't sleep. So the trigger is not the problem. The rewarding system is. Now, listen to what I mean by rewarding system. The rewarding system is me fooling myself into thinking that this worry is helpful. Or thinking that, oh, it'll just go away on its own, which is denial, right? Worry, denial, but all of these are not serving thoughts and emotions that uh, are helpful. But the rewarding system of me rewarding myself with worry is absolutely ludicrous. So I need to create a new rewarding system, and that is I have prayer, I have meditation, I have a practice, I reach out and think of other people in the world who are suffering the same thing right now, I accept that when I get there, if I'm tired, I'm tired. It's not the end of the world. So I've replaced the rewarding system of only being worried because I've not been intentional or purposeful with any other practice with now all of these other things that I just described. The feeling body is much stronger than the thinking brain. So you can put yourself into a state where you can just relax systematically Every part of your body, from the top of your head, through your eyes, through your cheeks, through your mouth and jaw and ears and neck, and down into your shoulders, down into your forearms, your elbows, your wrists, your fingers, and down every vertebrae in your spine, relaxing one after the other after the other. So you're imagining yourself reaching out and holding the hands of other people who are dealing with the same anxiety. Authenticity is the currency of the day. And in all of these practices that I'm describing, number one, you're being mindfully aware. Number two, you're mindful of the quality of the reward you want to give yourself. Not the reward of worry, but the reward of being with other people, being gentle with yourself, being kind to yourself, pulling yourself in and giving yourself a hug. All of that reward system is being mindful of self. And number three, find yourself a bigger, better reward. That bigger, better reward, whatever that number one thing is, you deserve it. Be curious and kind with anxiety. How does anxiety show up in your body? What do you want to replace that reward of worry with the bigger, better reward for yourself. Which one of those practices is the really strong one? Is it the one where you imagine yourself holding hands with other people? Is it slow breathing? In to a count of five, hold for a count of five, out for a count of five, calm two, three, four, five. What is that bigger, better reward for yourself? And remember that pattern interrupt with a, hmm, oh yeah, and get curious. Oh, that's that Tasmanian devil chasing me down. That's me just doing my chicken little routine. That's just me not knowing what to do in this instance. 
There are two arrows of anxiety. The first is the worry, and the second is that there is something wrong with me because I feel this way and can't stop it. Watch for those arrows. This locks in the habit. First the worry, then there's something wrong with me because I worry. This is fiction. Again, this is fiction. This is our silly mind, that crazy mind, telling ourselves things. The pattern interrupt there is, oh, yep, that's just my silly mind trying to trap me in a habit. Nope, not doing that today. Learn to nurture yourself. This is so important. Now I'm going to give you my pause cafe strategy that I share with my clients because I think it's really important and I want people to have this. I've changed this and modified this over time. I've been working with this for a decade and a half, and it is extremely helpful when you feel anxious. The pause cafe goes like this. P in pause stands for pause and take a deep in breath and a very blowing out breath releasing anything that isn't welcome in your mind and your body. The A stands for ask yourself what you're really afraid of. I do this a lot with my clients who say, I don't know what I want. I think that there's some fear in there. Let's get that out of the way so clarity can show you what it is that you want. What is it that you're afraid of happening? And get really curious about that. Where does it sit in your body? What color is it? What does it smell like? The U in pause stands for, at this point, once you have identified what you're afraid of and gotten so close to it that you know it like a neighbor, now you can untangle the difference between truth and assumption. It is a truth that you are educated, prepared, and capable. It is an assumption that you don't deserve a promotion or to get a new job, that you're too old, that you're too young. Those things are all thoughts, fiction, assumptions. Don't allow those to take over as truths in your mind, but know your truths. Know what is true about your strengths. The S in the Pause Cafe stands for say it out loud. Because we do a lot of thought work, but until you can actually let it escape from your lips, it doesn't implant the same imprint as when you just keep it in your head. So you're going to say out loud, you know, I've been worried about this, but I understand this is an assumption and this is true, and I'm ready to release the assumptions and move forward. And the E in pause stands for ease into some compassion for yourself. And that might involve compassion for someone else, maybe that you've been resenting. Usually people that we resent have some quality that we wish we had ourselves. There's a lot that they're getting in their life that we resent, but there's something about them that we can learn from. So that's a little bit longer podcast today, but a lot of really important information that I wanted to share with you because I think anxiety is the trip wire, the hamstring that keeps most people from having what they want in terms of their career, in terms of their relationships, in terms of their ability to calm themselves. So 
I'm wishing you the practices that we discussed today for yourself because you deserve it. Have a great day and remember you are awesome. Hello, you savvy, wonderful, mindful friend. I have an announcement for you. Over the past few months, many of you have reached out to me with similar questions and struggles, and I realize not everyone is able to participate in my one-on-one coaching program, Mindful Leader Satisfied Life, and my heart has been heavy to find a way to help you. I've listened and I've heard you, and I've worked very hard and I'm very excited to announce to you that I'm launching a brand new coaching program just for you. Cue the band, light the firecrackers, sound the alarm. The program is called the Three C's Lab. And what are the three C's? Confidence, connection, and calm. So you might be working on your career. You might not be working on your career. You might be working on getting a promotion. You might be working on just fitting in better with the people that you work with, not being as angry, not being as upset. Nobody can stand tall in their career, their relationships, or their life without a solid foundation. And this is what I work with with all of my clients. In the three C's lab, you'll learn the tools, skills, and techniques that will allow you to build that strong foundation so that you can be mindful and satisfied in every aspect of your life. It's part group coaching with me, part skills training, and part community. Mostly, you belong to a really welcoming group of people who care about you, your personal development, purposeful life, and satisfaction. Do you ever wonder how you could stop grieving something whose time has passed? Know if it is right to change jobs or change you? Create a hybrid work environment for yourself. Ask for a raise. Get promoted. Get noticed. Stop feeling empty when your life is so busy. Are you tired of waking up in the middle of the night worried about something you can't control, trying so hard and not getting noticed or valued, being frustrated managing someone who is passive-aggressive and underperforming, worrying about your relationship and not knowing what to do, anticipating retirement and questioning your identity? The Three C's Lab includes this, weekly live group coaching calls with me via Zoom, a vault full of skills and tips, monthly interactive workshops shops with me where I'm training. This is not where I'm coaching people. This is where I'm giving you instruction on things like your ego and fear, your persona versus your identity, your energy, the drama triangle, and where you might fall on that triangle. Life transitions and necessary endings, knowing about the source of suffering. That's what's going to happen on the monthly trainings. There will be an online community where we can post and talk to each other all the time. A vault full of coaching and trainings in case you can't be on the calls. And this is the most important thing. Life, time, access. No renewals, no subscriptions, no secret hidden messages. All of this, 2K. Yep, that's right. That's it. 2K, all of the above, and you are in for life. You will always have access to all the new trainings, the videos, the updates, and coaching calls. So go over to my website, maryleegannon.com, click on coaching, and follow the information to the three C's lab, Confidence, Connection, and Calm. I'm really looking forward to having you with me. This is the first time I've been able to offer something at this level, and I'm really excited to help all of you who have been reaching out to me so that we can be connected, confident, and calm. Together, 
Looking forward to having you in the program. I'm glad you were with me today, and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me.